Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And let me check. Yep, we turned off the metronome. All right. There you go. <laughs> Good job. Yes. So the NBA playoffs are in full swing. We've seen a shocking Miami Heat run continue. Now up 3-1 yeah. on the Celtics. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, one win away from, from their first final strip since 2014. I heard that last night. Like, that hasn't been that long. Yeah. Feels long, but uh, a lot of franchises would gladly take that drought. You know there are some five-year-old kids who've never seen the Heat in a final? I know, <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, the, the uh, team that's not too far down the street from me hasn't even been in the playoffs in 10 years. So, yeah, and not that I'm sad about that, but, yeah, 2014, not a long time since making the finals for the Heat, but... Certainly a very different team. I mean, you gotta gotta give them that is they've they've rebuilt that team. Um, you know, LeBron left and that wasn't a huge surprise, but certainly they went in on Chris Bosch and that, you know, they have, would have had no way of knowing what would have happened with that. So gotta give Pat Riley and, and that front office a lot of credit for rebuilding on the fly when they paid Chris Bosch big money and what, that lasted about a year, year and a half before he was basically done. Yeah. But they Certainly got the Jimmy Butler that they were hoping for. They did. They did. We, I think you and I talked about this last week or the week before, you know, but this seems to be like it took Jimmy Butler a while to find right his, his perfect sweet spot. And this seems to be it. Like he's, he's an alpha. Uh, he thinks of himself in that way. Um, and he needs the right supporting cast. Like, I don't think he's a LeBron or Jordan, where he's like, you know, one of the elite players in the game, and no matter who's around him, they're going to, you know, find ways to, to win. Um, but he needs a supporting cast that realizes they're his supporting cast. And the T-Wolves wasn't it, and the Sixers wasn't completely it, and, and this seems to be just the right fit for him. Yeah, well, because what he found was people who agree that he should be the point person but yes. people that he trusts enough, like Tyler Harrow, to right. say, okay, you're hot yeah. tonight, I'll yeah. give you the ball. It's an interesting mix. I mean, it's a, it's a mix that, you know, and there's plenty of things out there from this past summer about, oh, you know, Jimmy Butler chose, you know, being the man over winning. I guess we see what value. And, and you know, so far, one year in, he's getting both. Um, he is the man there, and they are winning. And, and uh, you know, now... You know, will there always be sort of a caveat of would this season, especially in the Eastern Conference, have played out the way it has if the season, you know, sails through and Miami was the five seed? Maybe not, but it didn't. Yeah, you know, but, we can only, we can only deal with what have. happened. Yeah. This is the season we have. And yeah, look, this, yeah. this series has been incredibly close. It's been really good, yeah. You know, we yeah, could just as yeah. easily have had the Celtics sweep this series. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, last night was the first game that Miami had the lead most of the game. Uh, you know, game one and two, you know, it was, what, double digits in the in the second half toward Boston both times. I know that game one was the fourth quarter. They were up by, you know, 11 or 12 early in the fourth. I kind of gave up on it um, and then turned back to it, and all of a sudden it was, you know, going overtime. Um, and, you know, and, and last night Miami had control, but Boston came back and made it very tight in the third and fourth quarters. And, uh, you know, it's been a, been a fun series and a series that I don't think by any means is, is in the bag because it's three, one, um, you know, we've, we've already seen a couple times this playoffs team come back from 
3-1 down. Um, and, you know, without home court, without travel, I don't think coming back from 3-1 down is really that insurmountable. I mean, it's it's not easy, but it's it's a different ball game than what we usually deal with when a team has a 3-1 lead. Yeah. Um, I'm curious your take on the other conference. Yeah. As, you know, the Lakers up 2-1, could have very easily yeah. been 2-1 the other way. Um, and, could be. And could the, be. the budding stardom of Jamal Murray, which we talked about a little bit last time, yeah, just yeah. continues to roll, you know, plus Jokic, who, it's funny, Jokic and Davis are problems for each other mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting. I, I sort of thought they would net each other out, and it seems like they just can't stop each other. Yeah, well, I mean, I watched the end of that game, too, and obviously Davis hit the great three there to win it, but... Uh, you know, the, the play right before when the Nuggets took the lead, boy, that was, I mean, Jokic just bullied him. He got the ball, you know, at the three-point line, and it was like old school, just, you know, put the ball on the floor, back him down, back him down, back him down, and, and easy little jump hook in the lane. And I was like, man, that's way too easy. Um, you know, you got you to gotta give him some help if he can't hold up better than that. And this is a guy who probably had a good case for defensive player of the year. So he's not a bad defender, but he got he got muscled on that possession now he you know he stepped up and hit the shot at the other end and that's what matters but um it's it's been interesting yeah now you know the notion that you know it could easily be 2-1 yeah that said do the lakers come out with the same laissez-faire sort of approach that they had in the first half if they lost game two i don't think so now maybe they would have got beat anyway but game three kind of had the feeling of the lakers played it like hey we got a 2-0 lead great uh, and and they wouldn't have had that same mentality if they'd lost game two, I believe. Yeah, I I think that's true. Taking nothing away from Denver, I mean, I, I don't mean it that way, but that game three, at least in the first three quarters, had the feel of one team realized, hey, we're up 2-0, eh. and the other team had the feel of, yeah, we, we're down 0-2, we got to make something happen. Yeah. And and they outplayed them for, for most of the first three quarters, and then the Lakers made a heck of a run in the fourth but couldn't quite finish off the comeback. Yeah. I, I assume the NBA wants Lakers whoever in this. Yeah, I don't know that the East matters as much. to the. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certain. I mean, Lakers-Celtics would be wants the Lakers. fun. Uh, it would. I mean, certainly Lakers-Celtics would, would appeal, but the, you know, the, the Lakers will put eyeballs on the TV in the finals, no matter who they're playing. Um, and, and the Celtics, yes, it's, it's a historic rivalry, but the Celtics don't really have a big time star just yet. Now they may have guys that a year or two or three from now will be that Jason Tatum maybe, uh, but he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it was Lakers bucks, obviously, you know, they would have loved that with the Giannis LeBron sort of thing. Um, you know, outside of, outside of the bucks with Giannis, there really probably wasn't a huge mega star to come out of the East. Um, so I don't, I don't know that the suits in, in New York really have a preference, but I'm certain that their preference is the Lakers. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to fix it for the Lakers. I know that's what we always say about the NBA. Um, but you know, if you, if you hooked all of them up and, you know, to a lie detector and said, who would you prefer a 100 times out of 100, they would answer the Lakers. Yeah. Especially compared to the Nuggets. And uh, that's not to insult the Nuggets, but, you know, yeah, Jamal Murray and, and Jokic, they may be, much like Jason Tatum, they may be on their way to stardom, but they're not 
here yet. And, and in a crowded October when there's going to be playoff baseball on every night, when you're going to be going against college football and NFL on weekends, you want stars. And, and you know, the Nuggets and the Heat, or the Nuggets and the Celtics, not going to put a lot of casual sports fans' eyeballs on ABC. I think that's very much true. Speaking of the casual fans' sports eyeballs, the NFL is rolling along with it is it is you know with teams staying healthy players staying out of trouble we've avoided so far the the issues that plagued the first two weeks of the mlb season yeah yeah Um, yeah i mean i i i glad you bring that up because you know they they took some shots in in july you know, I remember, and, I, and look, I'm not a I'm not a protect the shield guy. I'm not. I think the NFL is egotistical and arrogant in a lot of ways. But I remember in July, ah, oh, you know, boy, they had all this time to prepare, and they did nothing to prepare, and this is going to be a disaster. And you know, no one knows how things are going to end. I'm not going to say that, but they got this thing going on track, like they said they were going to do. And you know, I mean, look, we love to criticize Roger Goodell when things go wrong, and he's deserved it. Got to give him some credit. Uh, I mean, you know, when when things go well, and so far things are going well, I think you know it's it's a time for him to you know kind of pat himself on the back a little bit, probably. I I agree begrudgingly. Um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of his, uh, you know, and, and like I said, I think he's deserved that criticism in the past. But um, you know, they've they've they suffered the slings and arrows there in July, and and they just kept pressing on and. Things are going pretty well. I mean, you know, two weeks in the in the can, and you know, does anyone know for sure what the future holds? No, we don't. But um, yeah, they they deserved it to you know get a little praise for this. I think. I I want to address briefly because it's it's something that I've thought about uh, the fines for the coaches and the teams for the mask issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so my knee jerk reaction was. You're testing these guys so you know they're negative. Right. They, they probably don't need to wear the mask. Mm-hmm. I kind of had the same thought, yeah. But my broader sense from this is, look, you're trying to enforce a culture across the board because in case somebody slips through or in case mm-hmm. there's a false negative, mm-hmm. you, you want to make sure everyone's doing what they can. Um and so I get it. I get the idea. I, I mean, I don't think anybody had any idea the fines were going to be. This yeah, big. I thought the dollar figure was was high, you know. But I guess look, that's what you got to do to get people's attention. And and you know, for the for the majority of those coaches that got fined, they're some of the wealthiest coaches in the game. Now Vic Fangio, not so much, um, mm-hmm. you know. But Gruden, Sean Payton, uh, Shanahan, and who was who was the other one? Uh, Pete Carroll, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, these guys are making good money, and and you know, I, most of them deserve to make that money. They've either won Super Bowls or been to Super Bowls. I'm not criticizing them, um, you know, but uh, they, they can probably withstand that hit to the wallet. But it, it certainly, um, you know, it gets headlines if you find them five thousand dollars. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, but if you hit them with a big chunk of money and you find the team, I mean, I tend to agree. Like, I think. We've, we've kind of discussed some of the things that, you know, the NFL 
have put in place that feels like a little overkill, like the whole, you know, you can't, you can't exchange jerseys after the game on the field. Player, you're out there, you know, hitting guys for three and a half hours. And then you like some of that stuff just seems like overkill. Um, but you know, look, if you, if you got the rule, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm supportive in general of the idea of, Hey, if there's a rule and you don't follow the rule, let's punish that in, just in general, regardless of this or anything else. You're going to make a rule and guys don't follow the rule, then they should bear the consequence for it, I guess. And look, we have seen with the pass interference rule that if there is a rule and the rule is bad, yeah, that they'll change the rule next year. But you have True. to abide True. by the rule while it's in place. For this time around, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know... I don't know, I, you know, it, it, yeah, I, I kind of had the same thought as you in some ways, like, well, you know, these guys are all in a locker room together. I mean, I've, I've seen some of the same stuff with college football. Um, you know, I watched the week one Notre Dame game, and they go, you know, like they used to, they go to the, you know, end of the field, sing the alma mater, but instead they're all standing five yards apart. And then they finish that, and they walk into a crowded locker room together, and I'm thinking, are we doing just kind of some window dressing here? I mean, like, they're around each other. They've been around each other on the sideline for four hours. They're going to be in the locker room together now. Uh, some of this stuff seems like, you know, theater. Um, but, I, you know, I guess I see your, your point there in the sense of, like, you know, if you got a precaution in place, and this is the precaution they've settled on, and like, like I said, and like you said, that's the rule, follow the rule. And, you know, here's the other thing that I would think. If you're John Gruden and you don't want to wear a mask to call plays, Go up to the box. You can. Ain't nobody else around. You know? I mean, do it from the stands. Sit in the first row of the stands. Then you probably don't have to. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, you're in a gigantic stadium that holds, you know, 80,000 people and there's zero people there. Plenty of room to move around if you don't want to do it. Yeah. I, I think that's my my view as well. You know, it, it's kind of like the, the theater of the absurd was when they threw out Rizzo in the Nats game. Uh, under the guise of he wasn't wearing a mask when really it was, right. he was heckling. Right, yeah. right, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I mean, there has been some of that in all the sports. Uh, you know, I mean, it's been interesting to watch, like, you know, okay, so hockey, they're sitting on their, you know, their respective benches like always. But basketball, we've got these diagonal patterns and checkerboards and for the benches and nobody, you know. Like, uh, sometimes you look at it and you think, well, how is this working but not working here? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, uh, like, I mean, I, I watched the Monday night game when those news came out. You could see Gruden was, you know, wearing his, like, a chin strap. And, you know, and they said, you know, well, he says he doesn't want to do it while he's calling plays. Well, then then go up to the coach's box. I mean, there's, there's uh, you know, tons of room up on that level that there normally wouldn't be. You could probably have a suite to yourself yeah. and call plays from there if you want. Yeah. Well, and if the mask is what's concerning, you can go Andy Reid. And, right, true, true. And just yeah, wear the do, the, do the shield. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, uh, you know, I, I laugh at, at, you know, in all walks of life, I see the people, you know, um, and I, I, I'm not necessarily one of the people who, you know, like I don't, I don't want to, you know, quit question other people's behavior. But, but the people who wear a mask, but then they wear it around their chin, like, you might as well not wear it. Uh, I mean, you know, like if you're going to do the mask thing, at least put it over your nose and mouth. Yeah. I'm, I'm frustrated about it. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like, it's window dressing in so many ways. Like, you know, hey, look at me with my mask. 
Like, yeah. okay. Uh, I mean, you might as well not have it. Well, and the other thing, the, the flip side to me about this sort of thing with the people who don't want to wear the mask, like, when you look at the, you know, the bubble, as opposed to the NFL, when you yeah, can't right. leave and you're in that spot, hockey as well, yeah. okay, like, if you, wanted, if you want to say it's normal because you can see that everyone involved yeah. is yeah. negative and you've tested them, that's fine. The, the thing that makes football different is you leave, you go home, you, you fly places. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I get the idea behind it. And I guess, you know, the, the biggest thing is what I what I said earlier is like, if you're going to have a rule and then you don't enforce the rule, well, it's not really a rule. And yeah. so, you know, were the fines heavy? Yeah, I think so. But that's the way to get people's attention. And and if you do that, you know, it's sort of that Todd Graham approach to ASU football when he first took over. You come in heavy handed and you come in and say, we're going to do this, this, this. We're going to have all these rules and you better toe the line. And then slowly but surely you kind of pull back. But if you don't start out heavy, it's, it's hard to establish heavy halfway through. Yeah. And... and- in fairness to the NFL, warnings were sent the week before. They were. They were, you know? yeah. I yeah. don't know if so. they knew what the fine was going to be, but the teams were informed, hey, right. you right. all got warning letters. Yeah. Do it again. We're going to find now, it. I didn't, I didn't pay attention. I know McVay said after week one that he thought it was aimed at him, and I, I watched some of their game. I didn't really watch it close enough to know was he was he wearing the mask now because you know, he wasn't much in the Sunday night game the week one. He must have been because he didn't get fined. So I'm, I'm sure they were looking at him because, uh, you know, he was under the spotlight for what he said. Yeah. Um, let's pivot. Still on football, Let's, but let's move down to college. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the Houston Cougars are trying to play this season but haven't been able Jeez, to. Jeez, bad find luck. It. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in every way, yeah, they, they might want to just give up. Yeah. This is this is karma for what they did last year when they threw in the towel in the season. Yeah, uh, but uh, the Pac-12, we are moments away from finding yeah. out what they're going to do or not do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposed to be meet right now, right? Yeah, three o'clock. Yeah, supposed to yeah. have mm-hmm. have a meeting at three. Media availability at five. It is currently three yeah. thirteen. So we're almost certainly not yeah. going to know the outcome before we're done recording. Probably not. Probably uh, not. That'll least... be a, a topic for next week, I suppose, whatever we're, we're headed to with ASU. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a big week for, you know, you and me, because uh, I know you and I both respect and love the SEC when it comes to football. And, and the SEC is back this week. We get to see Nick Saban. We get to see Lane Kiffin, Coach O. Mike the defending Leach. champion LSU yes. Tigers. I mean, you know, the personalities are back. Like the ACC and the Big 12 is a nice warm-up. But now we get to see Nick Saban scowling and getting angry when they're up by 50 points or Coach O ending every interview with Go Tigers. Uh, you know, so, yeah, this is, this is what it's all about. As I texted you this morning, it just means more when the SEC is involved. So, Matt, with this in mind and with the constant flux of the polls and, and whatnot, yeah. I, I assume you saw the statement from the uh, the selection committee chair saying, well, we'll have to just figure it out and mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. How many games do you think is enough games then? 
I mean, is this going to be like sort know. of like MVP voting? If you play over half, where you know that might be enough. If you play three I mean, quarters, I think I think this is a year more than any year. I, I've I've been a fan of the committee approach since they started it. I was a fan of the committee approach during the BCS years, and and I think this is exactly the year where you need a committee. You need people to put their heads together and say, when it comes down to it, how many? Because like, okay, let's say. Let's say the Pac-12 only plays six games plus a conference title game. But let's say Oregon, who's probably the presumed favorite. If, if I mean, I know they lost some guys potentially to the draft, although Big Ten people are changing their minds, so maybe the Oregon kids would too. But let's, they're the favorite, I suppose. Let's say they just look unbelievable. They just roll. They beat everybody by 50 points. I don't think that'll happen, but hypothetically, let's say they do. You know, I think that's enough. Now, if they go seven and zero, but they barely beat Oregon State and they barely beat Washington State, and they, you know, then maybe that's not enough. So I don't know that there's a minimum number. I think you just kind of need to see how the teams look in the games they play. Uh, that's not an answer, but it's the best answer I can give. Um, one good news about this for the 2021 season, uh, ASU has announced that it received a contract to develop a portable saliva-based testing device that'll give results in 20 minutes that should be available yeah. in six months, which means you might be able to start returning in person yeah. with early testing for fans. The Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know, there's, there's, I've had mixed feelings about this all summer, uh, you know, as college football was debated of thinking, you know, there's, there's a part of me that doesn't want ASU to have a season if I can't be there to see a game or two or three or four. Uh, because, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, since we started college here in 04, every fall I've been there to see multiple games. Um, and so it's, a, you know, the selfish part of me is almost like, yeah, let's just punt and get to next year. And then the other part of me, as an ASU fan who thinks could be pretty good and just a college football fan in general, wants there to be a season in, in whatever form it comes. Not up to me, so it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, I I will miss it. I mean, if ASU is playing in November, as it feels like is more than likely to happen, at least right now, we don't know for sure, um, you know, it will be weird to not go, um, you know, and not be there and not have the opportunity to be there. Um, but, yeah, hopefully by next college football season – uh, you know, we can be back to Sun Devil Stadium and Tiger Stadium and, you know, Death Valley and Clemson and Bryant Denny and all these places that are, that's what makes college football special, honestly, is those places and the, and the crowds and the students and the traditions. And, you know, I'd rather have this than nothing at all, but I do miss that. You know, it's, it's not the same without it. Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't going to be able to make it to a game this year, so I'm hoping we right. get one. Right, um, right. But I, I've now come to you know, I, it's an evolving position for me on this. We're gonna do it either way, so I want us to do it as safely sure. and reasonably as we can. But I want the games. I, I'm not yeah. sure. I believe, frankly, that this is the quote unquote safest place for these student athletes to be. Because I think the safest place for everyone to be is home. Unfortunately, no one stays home. Right. Uh, yeah. Know. I mean, that's. I I agree with you. I guess in the ideal, but it's it's not. Uh, you know, and and college kids, we were once them, and we knew them, uh, are are probably some of the least 
responsible group of people that you're going to find, just in general. I mean, you and could so, look at the you know, UW-Madison uh, yeah, experience yeah. right now with the fraternities. I I will share a, a story without getting into details. I yeah. know someone who's at Madison in a fraternity, and, yeah. and they reached out to me because they felt like the terms the school was putting on them were onerous and unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because they were making them quarantine and I was, I had to text back. I, I'm not your audience for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I think yeah, you should quarantine yeah, yeah. when you show up to the frat house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's always been the inherent problem with any idea to play college sports this year is that, you know, you're talking about college kids and, and, you know, like I said, we were them. I, and, and we were not, the typical reckless college kids, but certainly, and you, you and I have discussed this in, in various forms over the last few years that like, as we get older, you have a better sense of, you know, the world and a little bit more sense of your own mortality and other people's mortality and things like that, that you just don't think about. I mean, I, I think I had a pretty good head on my shoulders at college, but you know, was I a little bit more carefree when I was 19, 20, 21 than I am now? Absolutely. And I, I think that's probably the case for most. Um, and, and so to expect that like the mentality is going to change among all college kids and that's not going to be, uh, it's unrealistic. Yeah. And so there are, there are going to be, you know, pop-ups and, and they're going to be game cancellations and postponements. We, we should have known this. Um, I don't, I don't look at those as a sign that the sport shouldn't be being played at all. I look at that as, Hey, if we were going to play the sport, the idea was to try to play it in as safe a fashion as possible, not expose, you know, and so if you're going to have, you know, at Notre Dame, you have seven people test positive. Okay. It, you know, you cancel the game this week. It sucks, but that's what we got to do. And that doesn't mean the whole sport needs to shut down. It just, you know, we're going to have to kind of deal with it as it comes up. Well, and I've come around to that because frankly, I feel like what we're seeing is an appropriate risk reward assessment by schools so far yeah uh, you know yeah no one is trying to at least apparently you know sneak through uh you know right. we only had two positive tests well what if we just don't have those guys make the trip and then no one right. will have to know They're, they are taking steps to make sure that you know everyone's safety on both teams yeah. is factored yeah in. Yeah, and and you know, I read what was it last week, uh, you know, or whatever. No, there's been 29 games postponed or canceled. Well, there's been a lot that have been played too, and and you know, so okay. I mean, like I think we should have known that was coming. Um, I'm not surprised. It happened in Major League Baseball. It uh, you know, it happened in the MLS. Um, you know, professional sports when they first got off the ground have had this happen. And, and, you know, you just, you deal with it and then you move forward. And I think, you know, now again, if you want to make the case, well, this isn't professional sports, that's a fair point. It's not a true point in my opinion, because it essentially is. Um, it's professional and, you know, for these, everyone, but the player. For the players. Exactly. And, and for, for them too. I mean, it's, they don't get paid. I think they should. That's a different discussion in a way. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, for a lot of them, it's, it's, it's a path toward their profession. Uh, it's a way to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of college football players that want to play this year because this is their last chance to put something on tape for the NFL. Will all of them make it? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, that's a cinch, but some of them will, I mean, I, we discussed a few weeks ago, the Joe Burrow 
you know, if this happened last year and there had been no college season, Joe Burrow would probably be, you know, working in an insurance office somewhere or maybe on a practice squad. But he had that one magical year, and now he's a number one pick. Uh, you know, so one season can make a big difference to a guy. So I I agree with you on that. And, and I think one of the other things that makes me, because I've been pretty, I think, pretty transparent that I didn't sure. think they should play. One of the things that I, I appreciate about how this has been handled by the NCAA is they're honoring everyone's scholarship, whether they play yeah. or not. And, and when yeah. they made that decision, then I said, okay, well, now you're not holding it over them. And it, and it sure. becomes more of the decision. I agree. I, I'm with you on that. You know, like you, you're not forced to, um, you know, you have your, your option and you should be able to get as much information as, as can be out there to make a smart decision for yourself. You know, no one really knows a hundred percent what's going, you know, the, the future of, of this or anything, you, you know, I've said that to you before through the last six months that like, this just illuminated that we really don't know what tomorrow holds. We thought we did. We don't. Um, and, and so, you know, you make the best decision with the information at hand, and a lot of guys are choosing to play. Some aren't. I don't think one side is wrong and one side is right. You make the best decision for yourself. Yeah, and, and I, I, that is where I come down on this now, I, I think, which I, I, I would say shows a little growth on my part that I'm willing oh, to. Oh, I, I, yeah. I respect the fact. I mean, look, I've tried to do that through this too, that, you know, I, I respect that you're saying that. Because I think too many people through this whole ordeal of sports and other things have just gotten themselves entrenched in a position and no matter what, that's what they believe. And that's not a good way to be, I don't think. So I, I you know, I've tried to do that too. Like be be open to seeing how things play out. Don't mm-hmm. totally decide what you think and then totally close off the other side. Yeah, because what I now see, and if something comes out, I could change my position again. But what I'm now seeing is, a general consensus that it's the player's call. And yeah. look, it, it might, I'm sure that there's leveraged factors both ways. Nervous parents, yeah. uh, nervous children, nervous spouses, siblings sure. pushing you not to play. Coaches anxious to make sure their best players are playing. Sure, you sure. Know? But, yeah. But, yeah. It, but you've given autonomy now to the player to say, look, if you pause, you can come back next year and have everything stay the same. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think that's wise. Um, you know, I, I, I have been of the position that we need to try to make this happen if it's possible to make it happen. That doesn't mean force it to happen, but you know, that, that, uh, college sports is a major industry. Um, it's, it's more than just the fun and, and look for me, it is for me selfishly individually, it is just the fun of being able to watch college football on Saturday. That's it. My livelihood doesn't depend on it. But I know a lot of people, I used to be one of those people in some ways, whose livelihood does depend on it. Well, it and, did when you were so, in pro sports. I mean, Yeah, you... exactly. You know, it did. Yeah, I mean, certainly pro. And, and, you know, I never worked full-time at ASU, but I, I made money from working at ASU. It helped me put a roof over my head. And, and there's a lot of people I know who are still there. And, and they're every, I mean, you know, I only know the certain people at ASU, but that's every college. Um, and so I've thought like, look, you know, the college sport, like any industry, no industry is built to just shut down for a year and come back just fine. Not going to happen. And so they shut down the spring. There's no NCAA tournament. There was no college world series. There was none of that. And so that's a lot of revenue out of their pockets already that, you know, 
not, not that I'm feeling bad for the NCAA because I'm not, but it's more the, the people who work in college sports. No, I mean, you're seeing the I, reports, you know, Texas is going to lose right. millions and millions of dollars this year. Right. I, you know, any and school so, who, who has a football program that is important is going to yeah, lose money. I, I'm, they are. I'm very and, and curious. So it's important to get something out there rather than nothing. Yeah, like, go, I, ahead, go ahead. Well, you, I'm, you know, for schools like Creighton, Marquette, you yeah. know, the Big East, does the, you know, what happened when you just lost the tournament? Because that's, True. you know, they don't have football. They don't so, have football. So yeah, they got right. their whole regular season and they'll get a modified regular season next year. Right. But you lost right. your conference tournament or parts of it, if yeah. not all of it. Almost all. And, and yeah. you lost yeah. your postseason. Yeah. You know, yeah. How much is that impacting those schools' athletic that's departments? That's a great point. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, for, for non-football schools, that basketball is the main revenue driver. Yeah, that's that's killer. It's got to be. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, just to use one example of the place we went last year, Alabama is not going to make as much money off this football season as they made last year because they're not going to have, you know, 85, 90,000 people at every game and buying concessions and buying merchandise and paying for tickets. But if they can put some people in the stands and if they can, you know, get some money out of the TV deal that CBS gives them and ESPN gives them, you know, that's better than nothing. And, and so I think that's why I've always been of the mindset that like, this is, this is too big to just shut down unless it absolutely has to shut down. And, and so I don't, you know, I think like they made the right decision in March. We didn't know much in March. Um, we know more now and we, we, you know, we've, we have come a ways some for some people, not far enough for some, you know, that's not for me to say, but we have come a ways. And, and I think, you know, we just, we gotta, we gotta press on. We gotta try to live life in the best way that we can. And this is part of it. Uh, now before we drift on to ASU and the, 2006 ASU season. Yes. yes. Uh, I do want to talk about two topics that you raised via text before right. that we didn't get into. The first one, yes. uh, and it's my fault because we talked about the NBA and we just blew past it. That's okay. Uh, yeah. It's a little more than just NBA talk, so that's okay. Uh, has to do with you know the issues, and it's been a it's been a heck of a you know two week run for Maria Taylor. In terms of bad bad things, uh, yeah, she left Anthony yeah. Davis off her ballot. She she immediately once it was flagged and and she became aware of it, you know, went on Twitter, said it was inadvertent, said it was yeah. a mistake, uh, yeah. and is just getting dragged hard by a lot of people. Yeah, um, yeah, about it. Obviously, one of I know your favorites, Doug Gottlieb, got out. Well, and, and that's kind of why I wanted to. to bring it up a bit um because you know as you intro there that i can't stand doug Gottlieb. cannot stand him i think he's horrible and yet i gotta say i thought his comment the original comment and i don't know if he said other things since because i don't watch him on tv i don't listen to him on the radio the original tweet i thought was fairly innocuous it was a legitimate question why does she have a vote you know like i don't know how many people vote i'm not sure but I think it's a legitimate question of, of should she have a vote if you forget Anthony Davis? Like, and, and I think anybody should have that question asked of them. I mean, you have time to think about this stuff. 
It's not like you got to think of it in five seconds and produce a ballot. You have time to research it. Did she, you know, we all make mistakes. Yeah, but it's kind of a legitimate question. And I hate siding with Doug Gottlieb about anything. But I think in this case, I kind of did. The, the view I have is, and it's something we've talked about. I believe 100% this was an oversight and a mistake. Yeah. And she obviously yeah. would have picked Anthony Davis. The, the flip side of it, which is something we've talked about, under, under any circumstance, you're entitled to make mistakes. Everyone is. Sure. But, Absolutely. Yeah. But there are, yeah. there are repercussions when you make mistakes. Right. You know, right. Yes. You know, oftentimes yes. car accidents are mistakes. You, you, right. you just, right. you looked no, at your you. radio station and, and you, you drifted too far yeah. into the yeah. next lane. More often than not, they're not on purpose. Yeah. But you're right there. I mean, that's, that's my job. I deal with it on a, on a four times, a, four days a week basis of, you know, people upset that, you know, uh, why did my rates go up? Well, because you got in this accident, you hurt somebody or something. That's why, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, those are mistakes and you pay the consequences for said mistakes. Now that said, I, I'm not sure what the consequences are because, you know, here, I suppose taking away her ballot, but I, I feel like one of the consequences yeah. for everyone with this is your, the ballots are public now, which I think is a great sure. change sure. because I everyone agree. sees it. You know, I one agree. of one of the frustrating things about, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the ballots are not mandatorily made public. The results Agreed. are, and you. I was going to mention that. Yes, I was know. thinking of that too. Yeah. So whoever it was who decided not to vote for Jeter, for example, yes. or Griffey. Yes. Yes. Um, and look, yeah. there, I will say for things like the Hall of Fame, and we've talked about that at length. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have a reason. You only have ten spots. You believe right. someone else is going to get in, so you. You know, right. there, there wasn't a doubt Jeter was getting in. So if you felt there were ten other deserving people, you do that. But, right. but with right. this, it's a little different because it's this season. Who are the best people? Exactly. Exactly. And 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 I I don't necessarily think she should have her ballot taken away. I I mean honestly, I believe now. Look, Gottlieb may have intended it to stir up a storm. I don't know. Well, that I, seems to be the what, job of people of like him and Coward and Whitlock yes. and Skip Bayless. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how they operate. They try to stir up storms. But if I'm just going to read his words on the page, and I'm not going to read into it, and I'm not, like, I don't, he, he didn't say anything about, you know, it was viewed as a sexist, you know, attack. It, what, he didn't say anything about, why do females have a right to vote on the NBA? Now, that would have been sexist. He didn't say that. He said, you know, it's her first year covering the league, and she covered, you know, she covers a lot of things. Why does she have a vote? A good question. And, and I'd lo- I mean, I would be curious, don't know the answer, how many other people in their first year covering the league have a vote? If there's a lot, then, then it's a non-story. Yeah. But if it's just her or if it's just her and maybe one other person or something, then I think you'd have a question of why did she get one? Should she have one? Um, I don't think she needs to have a ballot taken away. I think the consequence is getting criticized. And right. that's okay. You know, criticism, I, I, I read it, somebody said it this week, and I thought it was a great line. Criticism is the background music of success. If you're successful enough, you're going to get criticized. Just the way it is. LeBron James gets criticized because he's great. Um, Remy Martin, just to use a local example, doesn't get criticized as much as LeBron James because not that many people know who he is. That's the way it goes. Maybe someday he will, uh, but, you know, that's, that's life. James Harden has reached a level where people love to criticize him. That means he's really good. If he was average, nobody would care. Well, and the other thing, which is something I, I haven't seen it about Maria Taylor's vote, but I've seen it before where they 
you know, you criticize these people and you say, well, how can you do this? How can you do sure. that? And, and one of the arguments that people slip into is, hey, these guys have contract incentives based on their first team, right. second team, et cetera. And That's it's a like, good point, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. But that, to me, and this is a point that Zach Lowe has made and other people, mm-hmm. the writers didn't ask for that. The writers didn't they ask didn't. to have their Agreed. contract incentive tied to That's whether or not they well. vote yeah. for the person. That's a good point. I mean, I, you know, look, we all do make mistakes. I completely agree with you on that, and and I don't I don't think that she deserves to be fired from ESPN or, or you know or even taken have her ballot taken away in the future because of it. No, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't think that. I think some some healthy criticism is okay because then hopefully next year when it's time to sit down and vote, she'll spend a little more time researching and make sure she doesn't forget somebody. That's the that's the right action here. You can't go back and change that she forgot him this time. That's mm-hmm. done. But she can hopefully not do that again. And mm-hmm. and so I think that's okay. And I think you know the the thing that's bothered me is, and I believe it's I, I've I've you know read it that it's like, oh, it's an attack on women. No, it, it's not. I mean, we we criticize you know uh, a dude a few years ago voted for Carmelo as the MVP instead of LeBron. I think Gary Washburn was his name. He's a Boston writer, from what I recall. He got criticized. Mm-hmm. He should. Um, you know, you you mentioned the Jeter thing. We don't know who didn't vote for Jeter, but people wanted to find out. Yeah. And, and if we ever do find out, that guy will get criticized. Uh, you know, so uh, or people who didn't vote for Ken Griffey a few years ago or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's that's fine. That's our prerogative, and I don't I don't think it has anything to do with her being a female. I don't think we need to take it as a. Uh, you know, oh, it's just wrong to criticize women in sports media. I don't think it's had anything to do with that well, myself. Well, and the other thing, if the NBA, like the the first team, second team, it's all very yeah. exciting. Sure. The, the issue when you have stuff like this, to me, is there's not a great sense of order anyway. Who's a forward? Who's a guard? True, you know? true. I mean, Chris Middleton received... 10 second team votes, 52 third team votes, but they were split between yeah. guard and forward. So he didn't get on any team. True, true. Yeah, yeah. You know, he mean, had more I points than he had I, more points than Simmons and Westbrook, but both I of them I think they probably should do away with that, uh, you know, the position because that's the way the game has gone in some ways. Um, you know, and and ultimately all of this is irrelevant. Anthony Davis made first team all NBA. So it's not yeah. like, you know, or her vote cost him uh, I mean, you know, so I, I realize that as we're having this conversation, the end result is he still made the first team, as he should have. He had a year that deserved it. Um, I just think, you know, I think it's okay to get a little a little public flogging, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of a, boy, that was really stupid. How could you forget that guy? And again, hopefully, uh, you know, whenever it is, 10, 11, 12 months from now, when it's time to vote on the 21 NBA, uh, all-NBA team, if she still got a vote at that time, she'll think, boy, don't want that to happen again. Should probably uh, pull up my my employer's website, look at some stats, and figure out, make sure I'm not forgetting someone obvious here. That's all. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if that happens, I think I think it worked. The the other topic I had, speaking of public flogging, was uh, yeah. our our old friend, the commish, Larry Scott. Uh, oh yes, yes. It it's not been a banner week for <laughs> for old Larry. <laughs> it's not. It's uh, not, no, no. Like for, I texted you, and I like the line, so I'm going to say it again. He's probably missing the days when people love to rip Kevin Warren, which was not that long ago, but in today's sports times, it feels like a long time ago. So, 
stories came out. Th- these these stories both came out since we last recorded. First story, uh, obviously Larry Scott broke the news that the Pac-12 had signed a contract for rapid yeah. testing. Apparently, uh-huh. he had hired a team, the PR team he regularly hires, and he was advised or chose to act upon his own uh, to not disclose that to the schools ahead of time out of fear of it being leaked because mm-hmm. he wanted to break the news. Therefore, schools were caught off guard at the expectation that they'd be ready to return to play. Right, right. That story then got washed way to the side. Yeah. When another story broke between uh, John Wilner and Canzano. Uh, Canzano. That, who's, who's obviously got like Google alerts set up for anything negative about Larry Scott because he jumps into action. He does not mess around. We've learned that Larry Scott, the month before firing people uh, and furloughing people due to budget constraints, took a multi-million dollar bonus for himself. Yeah, it's bad. And, I mean, it's just really bad. And, and one of the things I saw, a point that was made that, that was true, was if if the idea of moving the bonuses early was because you were furloughing people yeah and you wanted to make sure they got their bonus before they had to leave yeah 100 percent on board but you don't right. have to take yours if you're no. if you're saying money's tight you don't yeah, need to take 2.4 really bad it's real and 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 could you have taken less well and, mean, like- and he still owes a, a, an interest-free loan a six-figure yeah. industry loan to the to the conference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it's the optics. That's a word people love to throw around. The optics are bad, but the actual action is bad too. It's just bad. Like I mean, they're, they're well, just it's, it's so indefensible. Cold. It's yeah. so cold. Yeah. It's just it's really like it's a very. I can't even imagine. I mean, people have a unique way of spinning things. Uh, you know, nowadays more maybe more than ever. Uh, you know, to their advantage, but. Boy, I can't imagine how you could defend that. Like, how could you stand up and say, this is why this was right? How? I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure he could hire somebody who could come up with a way because that's, you know, that's what people do. But uh, it's just bad, uh, you know. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it, he just can't can't seem to stay out of his own way, uh, you know, to, to put it gently. There are nastier ways to say that, um, but I'll, I'll put it in the PC fashion. Uh, there is an update. They have now confirmed that the Pac-12 CEO group will be doing a 5 o'clock conference. Okay. Uh, that 5 o'clock conference will feature Larry Scott, Ray Anderson. Ray, and Ray. They love trotting him out there, don't they? They do. And then the president of the University of Oregon, who's the chair of the CEO group, and the yeah. f- team physician for Oregon State who, to my knowledge, did not puncture anyone's lungs like the Chargers. <laughs> Boy, talk about bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, another mistake on the job, I suppose, like we were talking about with Maria Taylor. That one might be a reason to get rid of somebody. I hate to say it. I mean, I, I feel bad saying that about someone. He may he may have a track record of, you know, 99.9% success, but, boy, that's bad. It, that's a bad mistake to make. Yeah, it does not look good. It doesn't. It doesn't. Now, I heard Anthony Lynn apparently said, you know, he's, you know, he's, I, I don't think they've named him, but basically, you know, he's, he's a great man and he made a mistake. And uh, all due respect, if that's really how they feel, I gotta, I gotta say, but boy, if, if there was a reason to move on from someone, that's probably it. Yeah. 
but anyway, uh, yeah, okay, interesting, interesting. Well, so I don't, I don't know what to read into that. Um, I, I would, I mean, I still, I suppose, assume that the announcement is they're coming back, but I think it's uh, a question of the dates and the fact that it's date, two yeah, people from yeah. the Oregon schools. Yeah, that's interesting. I noted that too when you and, said that. And, yeah, and no yeah. California schools. No, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, gonna be, gonna be interesting. I keep reading the idea that they could do a staggered start where some schools start on Halloween and the rest start on November 7th, which, you know, allows them. I mean, if they do that, you could play, I mean, to do your divisions, all you'd have to play is five games, you know, and, yeah. and you could play one cross division opponent too. That seems to be the idea is to play six plus a championship game. Well, and what that I've would heard get you is, done. what I've heard one proposal was to do six and then you just play whoever's across from you. So the, the like top the plays top, the second plays the second. Makes sense. I kind of like that from the Big Ten. I do. I don't. I, I'm not it, necessarily on board that it needs to happen every year, like some people are suggesting. No, but it gets I don't you know one that, more game. It does. And, and so I. I mean, I like it for this year. Like I'm. I'm good with it. I. I you know, when teams are already playing twelve, which I think is is you know, I, I'd be an advocate of playing ten. That's that's to me or, or eleven, the old number. I think that'd be perfect uh, because then you could expand the playoff potentially and not have teams playing 16 or 17 college games, which I don't think we need. Um, I don't know that we need to do that on a full season, but this year, why not? I think it's kind of fun. You know, give us give us seven Big Ten games in December. Eh, that sounds fun. So with that, let's turn our attention back 14 right. years to season, the- season 2006. One of the best. Not really. Not but. really. Dirk Cutter's no. sixth year at the helm. The the overall stat line, the team finished seven and six. They beat Arizona and lost the Aloha Stadium Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii Bowl, yep, yep, yep. To the To Hawaii. Hosting Hawaii, yes, yes. And and the mighty Colt Brennan. So Matt, this year marked a Typical ASU year to me. Kinda, yeah. They, I they, mean, seven they t- wins. Started ranked. Yeah. Beat our non-conference schedule, including a then non-conference Colorado at Folsom Field. Yeah. Now, as I recall, and I'm looking it up, the Colorado win was rather underwhelming at yeah, 21-3. Now, three points allowed for a dirt cutter team is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. But this was also a horrendous Colorado team. From well, what I recall, three points allowed speaks more to Colorado than to us because when you look yes. at the next two weeks, forty-nine <laughs> points allowed and forty-eight right. points allowed. Forty-eight, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was not a good defensive ASU team. I, to me, from what I recall, I mean, Colorado went through a, a period there in the two thousands and even into the twenty tens where they were god awful every year, and I think this was kind of at the beginning of that. Um, we played them again, I believe, in 07 at home, the, the return game, and we pounded them then, too. Um, uh, you know, they, they were not a good program. Uh, the, you know, the national championship was only about 15 years in the mirror for them, but they didn't resemble that type of program anymore. So, you know, it was a win. Uh, from what the Nevada win, I recall, was, was more impressive. Like, that was, you know, Nevada was a solid program always was with Chris Holt but you know they were always a team that was like uh, you know they could cause you trouble and we crushed them we beat them really good mm-hmm. so it, it felt like you know good now we we shouldn't discuss this season without at least mentioning and we did it on a previous podcast when or what ifs 
that this was the season that, of course, started with the Sam Keller, Rudy Carpenter debacle. Yeah, so to... Which kind of set the tone for the entire season. To revisit that, the Sun Devils were led by Sam Keller at the start of the 2005 season. He got hurt. Yeah. Rudy Carpenter took over, played well, set played records extremely well. for yeah. Yeah. efficiency. Um, Sam Keller came led. back healthy in the offseason. And led to a you know eight-month-long drama of who would be the quarterback. Uh, Rudy was going to be a sophomore. Sam was going to be a junior. Right. And on the eve of the season, at the, you know, at near the end of fall camp, mm-hmm. Dirk announced that Sam Keller was going to be the starter. Rudy Carpenter famously didn't say he was going to transfer; <laughs> just said he wasn't going to play just and said play he somewhere wasn't else. Going to play anymore here? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I believe the uh, the story, which I, I don't, I can't confirm. Uh, but the story I've heard is that there was a meeting of the team's senior leadership, mo- you yeah. know, most vocally Terry Richardson, yeah, saying uh, to Coach Cutter that Sam Keller was not in a position to be the quarterback. The team did not trust him to be there, uh, and that Rudy Carpenter was who the players wanted to right. be the quarterback. Right. So Dirk Cutter promptly reversed himself. Mm-hmm. After publicly declaring Sam Keller the starter, publicly declared that Rudy was the starter. Sam Keller, of course, immediately transferred, uh, winding up at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And Rudy led the team to a 3-0 and start, and things were going good. And then we played three ranked teams in a row, and, yeah. and yeah. lost, it lost, kinda... and, and hung with a great USC team again. We did. We did, we did, and we'll talk that USC game because there's a story I remember from that one. But, you know, remembering the whole Rudy-Sam thing, uh, you know, as I think about it, I said it set the tone for that season. It kind of set the tone for the rest of Rudy's career here. Like, you know, Rudy had a nice freshman year, and everybody felt pretty good about things. Um, and, And even though he was the guy who ultimately got picked, I think that basically set the tone for Rudy that, you know, he wasn't loved enough here. And, and, uh, he, well, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't that well loved, but he, he started to really feel that. And he just, uh, you know, he started the next three years, but I don't think he was ever really admired. Even, even the 07 season, which we'll talk, you know, next time around, which was a pretty good year. I don't think there was a lot of warm feelings for Rudy from, from the ASU fan base. No. Um, I think that there's still a, a jury still out sort of thing because yeah, he, yeah, he was sandwiched between. If you take out Keller's, you know, eight games, right? He was sandwiched between two beloved ASU quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, with Taylor Kelly and Andrew Walter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I just you I, know, I'm setting, I'm setting aside the Danny season and the everybody yeah, plays quarterbacks. Steven three and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, it just never felt like Rudy got the love he felt he deserved. Whether he deserved it or not is another question. I'm not sure. Uh, but but I, I think it's definitely fair to say that Rudy thought he deserved more love from ASU fans than he ever got. And and even in the one really successful year that he had in, in his three as a full-time starter, didn't get it. 
Um, you know, and it's it's just sort of I, I wonder if that's maybe ASU fans in some ways always wondering what could have been with Sam Keller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because as we discuss, Sam was a you know charismatic guy uh, and, and had you know had star appeal. And Rudy just never really did. Like, he was fine, but Rudy wasn't really a, you know, hey, you He's know, not a camera person. went to him. No, no, and, and Sam was. And and I think there's there was always that feel of, like, uh, what could have been with Sam Keller? Um, but, yeah, it, it, you know, we got off to that 3-0 and start, and then, yeah, reality hit. We, I, remember, I remember the Cal game was a day game on the road. We got beat solidly, and that was a pretty good Cal team. The, you know, Cal was was in their run there with Tedford during that era. It was uh, forty two to fourteen at the half. Was it okay? Yeah, I remember we got beat very solidly, and then the Oregon game was an, an embarrassment. We scored one touchdown, and that was on a punt return by the same Terry Richardson, I believe, near the end of the game. Besides that, we were absolutely destroyed. Yeah, it was twenty four to three at the half in that game. Yeah. We, oh, it was a kick return, not yeah. even a punt return. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah. We scored in the third. Uh, it was 31-13. And then just mm-hmm. in case we were starting to feel a little frisky, they put yeah. up 17 more in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Brady Leaf getting off the bench to throw a touchdown pass, I see late in the game. Um, yeah, that was that was a afternoon, you know, back in the day when ABC put on, you know, afternoon Pac-10 games. And uh, it was a hot day, early October, I remember, and, and the thought was, boy, that, that game is the one that still sticks out in my mind whenever it's like, well, the, the heat's going to be on our side, because that was the one where I'm like, well, Oregon's better, but boy, they're going to struggle in the heat. ASU's built for this, and we weren't. They came in and just ran roughshod over us. Uh, yes. And then... So when it, whenever it's like, you know, oh, well, the heat helps, like, ah, it does if you're the better team or maybe even an equal team, we were not, and it didn't help. Yeah, I'm looking at the game recap. We were 1 of 13 on third down conversions, Ugh. and we allowed 584 yards of offense. Jeez, terrible, yeah. Very yeah. Dirk Cutter-esque. Oh, my God, look at Rudy's numbers in that game. 12. 6 of 19 for 33 yards? Yeah, 33 yards 33 yards? How does that happen? That's a, not a Dirk offense. Lord have mercy, yeah, yeah. Ryan Terrain actually had a nice game. We must have just gone to the running game there in the second half. We were getting bludgeoned. Yeah. 113 yards rushing. You'd think that's a game we were up. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that sound like we'd be up, the next week against USC, we first four turnovers on yes. the road at Memorial yes. Coliseum. And yes. still lost. <laughs> and we lost. And do you remember what is infamous about that game? You oh, will, I we're, I we're, I, I'm more confident with my defense, with my on, defense the field. on the field. Yes, this was so important. This to was know, the running this clock was, year. This was the one year where they put in that bizarre rule where after a punt or kick, the clock started the game clock, not just the play clock. And I'm going to look it up because I want to have the numbers exactly right on when this occurred. It was the fourth quarter. We were down by seven. So we score. Well, let's see here. What's the score at the start of the fourth? Uh, so so USC scores to take the lead in the fourth quarter, 28-21. We get it, and now see, this doesn't say the exact time, but the drive started with 4.29 to go. So four and a half minutes, not much time. And the play, it was five plays. We got it to the 23, and he punts. The drive took 3.10. USC got it at 119. 
and I believe we had two timeouts. Do the math, we couldn't get the ball back. And we didn't get the ball back. He punted away a chance at the game. And after the game, famously, he was asked, why would you punt there? Yeah. And his response was, I'm more confident with my defense on the field. In a situation where they could simply kneel it out, and right. the defense Which admittedly, couldn't... the defense played well that game. Yeah, you know, that, and that had was, there been was not, had there know, been five crazy... minutes left, right, right, yes. Now he also, I'm looking here. This might have been another one too. We had fourth and eleven at midfield with the game tied, and he punted. Now fourth and eleven. I suppose that's that's logical to punt. I'm, I'm kind of you know going back. There's eleven twenty-seven to go in the game. That's probably the smart decision. Now it was fourth and twenty-two. When he punted, admittedly not a high percentage chance of success. But there's nothing you could do. A slightly higher percentage chance than giving them the ball and allowing them to run the clock out, which they could do. Now again, normal clock rules. Every year before and every year since, that decision kind of makes sense. You have two timeouts. You punt. You get it back with 30 seconds to go, and you see what happens. It's not great odds, but you know you got a shot. I remember watching that and thinking he just punted away the game, and he did. And, uh, yeah, you know, that combined with some other things that we've discussed already, the Keller Carpenter, the Lauren Wade, um, it was just another straw in the decision that was made at the end of the year to move on from Dirk Cutter. So they next get Stanford at home. It's homecoming, which gives you a sense of Stanford was it's, still it was not beat down. good. Yeah, it was, this was a really bad Stanford team. And we beat them in the way we should. Uh, 38-3, to convincing win. I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, Rudy, 14 of 15 for 160 and a touchdown. Keegan Herring with a pair of touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Solid. I mean, it was it was the game it should have been. Um, you know, they were really bad. I mean, looking at their roster and, their, you know, Toby Gerhardt was on the team, although he was not a feature player, doesn't appear. Their leading receiver that game. There's a trivia question for you. Richard Sherman was Stanford's leading receiver in that game. You may know him as an NFL corner. Yeah, probably headed to the Hall of Fame as a corner, and that gives you an idea of how bad Stanford was. He was playing receiver for them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 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 that was that was a beatdown. And then, and then the next week, a dramatic overtime win on the road at Washington. Yeah, we, Solid. we were the Huskies' homecoming game. Yes, And we yes. spoiled it. With... Uh, Brent Miller, I remember, caught the touchdown in overtime to win the game after they had kicked the field goal. Uh, the good times did not last. By the way, as a as a completely unrelated aside, as we're talking, yeah. I, I have on mute the AEW wrestling from last night. Yeah. And uh, during a promo, a pre-recorded promo, Joey Janela is wearing a movies hat. Hey, there you go. Which Very nice. I, I'm not Very sure nice. who would have noticed that, but I did. And, <laughs> Very nice. And I liked I respect it. it. Yes, um, yes. Back, back to the 2006 season. This next game, I think, was the start of our not liking playing mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. the Pacific Northwest in November. We, yes, we traveled yes. to Leaser, and the Beavers went up 17-0 in the first, yeah. 31-10 at the half, and 44-10 as your final. Uh, to give you an idea of the time, I don't think this game was on TV, from what I recall. It was I, I not. think you you and I followed it, uh, you know, like just through watching the internet, because this was also before smartphones and, uh, you know, all that. I, I remember, I think, 
uh, going to the student union, you and I, and, you know, we were like, maybe we went up there to eat or something like that. And we checked a computer that had the score and it was like, you know, 30 to 10 or whatever. And it was like, oh my God, because this was not a great Oregon State team either. It wasn't like, I mean, I don't think we expected to get beat at all and certainly not get beat in this fashion. Yeah. I... It was a beat down. Yeah. I mean, it was, as you said, 17 nothing after one quarter, uh, you know. 31 10 at the half uh it was it was a bludgeoning this was, and it was the, your classic corvallis weather too from what i recall yeah. cold and rainy uh just a terrible game I and mean, we're talking about your matt moore even yeah. bernard yeah 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 i mean yeah, you know they had some players but it wasn't a great i mean they were six and three so coming into the game we were both five and three like, it wasn't a game that we thought we'd be outclassed, and we were very much outclassed. Yeah, I mean, neither of us were ranked at the time. And, it, you know, in theory, on talent, we should be yeah. better than Oregon State. And they yeah. beat... The- it was not even close. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was another ugly chapter in the dirt cutter years. And the, the, the last ugly chapters were upon us, and that was one of the last ones. Uh, we come home, Washington State... Beat down, bad Washington beat down. State team. Another bad Washington State team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good thing we played bad programs this year. We would not have won seven games. I mean, we got Colorado, Stanford, and Washington State that year. All really bad teams that that punched up our win total. Yeah. Uh, then we take on, yeah, Washington, Washington State, that. Stanford was a. Uh, we're all. Conference That's true. Wins. Washington was bad too. Yeah, and we we played them on the road, but they were bad too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we. We used a soft schedule to make a bowl game that year, that is for sure. So then, like you said, we, we go home, we play Washington State, win, we stay home to play UCLA, yeah. Fox Sports Net game. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and do you remember how many touchdowns we scored in that UCLA game? I believe none. It was a grand total of zero, yes. None Four touchdowns. field goals by Jesse Ainsworth. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, and again, not a good UCLA team. They yeah. came in 5-5. Five and five. Um, you know, not that UCLA's had a lot of good teams really in the last, you know, couple decades, but this was not a great team and yeah, it was ugly. I remember being in the student section with you as a fire cutter chant went up at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, we then traveled to Tucson and took Highlight on... of the year, probably. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it was got out quick. as you and I know it, the Ryan Terrain game. Yeah. Got out quick in that yes. game. Yes. Yes, we did. Yes. Three first quarter touchdowns. Rudy was on fire. Three touchdown passes, I believe, in the first three drives. Uh, yeah. And then we and then we hung on with Ryan Terrain just just icing the game. Like yeah. one of those games you look at the scoring and Ryan Terrain's name doesn't show up once. And that doesn't tell you anything about how that game went. He sealed that game for us with just churning out first downs in the second half. He finished 24 carries for 139 yards. Yeah, just a fantastic game. And Keegan Herring added 43. Nance had a touchdown to, to pretty much seal the game. I mean, that was uh, that was a, it was not your typical dirt cutter offense, but it was what worked for that team that year. I mean, that was not a great passing offense that year. And by the end of the year, it took them 12 games to figure out. They figured out, let's be a, a running ball control team. Yeah, and... And we did that, and we won, yeah. and then and, we and, then then we fired our coach. Then we fired Dirk Hunter, who <laughs> apparently, you know, lore has it that he told Mike Stoops on the field after the game that he'd already been fired. 
which I think is true. I don't think that's a Paul Bunyan story. Uh, he, he knew he was fired after the UCLA game, from what I've always heard. Um, a trivia question for you. What NFL team did Dimitri Nance play for? Packers, right? It was the Packers. He appeared yeah. in 12 games in the 2010 season. Yeah, I kind of remember that. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, he, he was a good player for us. Kind of a forgotten name when we talk about our running backs. But uh, had a very solid career here. Yeah. Ryan Terrain was the one who should have had uh, the a better NFL career. And, and, I mean, God, he got hurt the next year, too. That that was killer well, so, when we talk 07. Yeah. Uh, even though that team finished well, if Ryan Terrain stays healthy all year, that, that team might have won the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time. Yeah. That um, was, it, was that, that was the Liz Frank injury? I, I know Archie it Sparking. It's not the... It's not the metronome. It's Archie this time. But he's he's upset about Ryan Terrain's career yeah. getting cut short. And yes, it was the Liz Frank. Yes, yes, it was the Liz Frank. And then uh, Mark Brand became infatuated with Liz Frank injuries and started diagnosing everybody with them after <laughs> Ryan Terrain got one. <laughs> I remember that very well. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Ryan Terrain, boy. I mean, you talk about one of those performances that U of A game down there. Remember it extremely well because. Coming off the UCLA game, and the U of A wasn't good either, but I remember thinking, we're going to go down there and get hammered. I mean, we're, we're done for, Cutter's done for, the U of A's going to beat us, and, and to win that game and to ice it the way we did in the second half with a completely uncharacteristic running game was awesome. And then we, uh, so then we go to Hawaii for, I guess, uh, you know, like a divorce Honey, whatever the Pretty honeymoon much. equivalent of yeah, a divorce yeah. is. Yeah, it was basically a, you know, a winter vacation for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we played like it. Uh, we we yeah. were up 10-3 at halftime, and then we, we were, decided to, to not yes. play defense anymore. Yes, when the when the August All-American Brandon Smith caught a touchdown pass, gave us the lead in the in the second quarter, and, and got his EA Sports It's in the Game moment on the ESPN broadcast. And then... Uh, yeah, we're up 10-3, and in the third, we gave up 21 points. And that was it. Yeah, yeah, their, their passing offense caught fire, and that was pretty much it. Although, we did get, what, back within three? 27-24, as I'm looking at it? Yeah, we made scored it. Scored a couple touchdowns in the fourth. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah, we scored a couple, Colt, then they scored a couple more. Cole Brennan with five TD passes in the, in the second half alone, not good. Yeah. In that game, Brennan broke Ty Detmer's whack passing record for yards in yes. the season. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, that was uh, a game that didn't mean much. Uh, Cutter had been fired. We'd already hired Dennis Erickson. And next week we get to start the Dennis Erickson talk. Yay! <laughs> and the first the first year was awesome. So it'll be fun the next time we talk about this. But after that, it goes downhill. Yeah, Dennis Erickson, who uh, is currently, his last coaching job was with the Salt Lake Stallions. Of the uh, AAF, right? Yeah. Yes, there you go. He was the head coach of the now-defunct AAF Salt Lake Stallions. There you um, go. There you go. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get into the Dennis Erickson hire and all of that good stuff. But, yeah, 06 overall, uh, mediocre year. Eh, it could have been worse. But, boy, when you look at it and you realize the bad teams we beat, like seven wins, was, it wasn't a very impressive seven wins. Yeah. We, we can thank uh, some programs for being really bad when we were just kind of below average and we were able to get some wins on that schedule. 
Well, you know, it's always nice when you can set the precedent of being fired after a winning season because it, it yeah. gives you cover for the <laughs> for not obviously not Dennis Erickson, uh, but that's for true. The Todd he did not, yeah, but Todd Graham, exactly. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Well, and okay, late breaking news before we sign off. Kyle Bonagura reporting Pac-12 season will begin November 6th. A source confirms everyone will play seven games, title game December 18th. All right. So well, there you go. November 6th is a Friday. So I guess maybe opening with one Friday game and everybody else playing Saturday, I would assume. Something like that. But I guess uh, I guess that's that's something. So we'll see. So we'll, we'll keep these uh, season retrospectives going for the next, uh, you know, four to six weeks. And then, then we'll have to dive into a season preview once we get our schedule. Yeah. Uh, the last piece of news, which uh, is ASU related, um, officially, Josh Christopher, McDonald's All-American. Saw that. Saw that. Yes, yes. That's uh, that's good. Good for him. Yes, yes. And, and uh, apparently on that subject, there's also going to be uh, – uh, confirmed basketball will start Thanksgiving weekend at the Pac-12 as well. So it sounds like we're on track to actually see this kid play for ASU, which was always our fear that we wouldn't. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Yes, yes, there's going to be some, some ASU sports just yet in 2020, it sounds like. It, for a while it appeared uh, we weren't going to see it, but it sounds like this year is maybe going to at least end with some Sun Devil action. Well, we'll be back to talk about all of that. Maybe we'll even know the schedule by the time yeah, we talk hopefully. again. Yeah, hopefully, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, good good note on the 06 season. Finish, tie up that bow, and next week we got a, a better season to talk about and maybe even a better 2020 season to talk about. Who knows? Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.